0: There's joy in every journey.
1: John Jestremski. Sports Radio 1019FM. 702 here on this Wednesday evening. It's JJ, John Jestremsky. We are guiding you through the next three hours right here on the Fan. Get aboard at 877 337 6666 And it's always a pleasure to welcome in our next guest, who to me is one of the best baseball minds you're going to hear, and one of the best baseball minds that's out there. He is the former manager of the Orioles, the Rangers, the Diamondbacks, and of course the New York Yankees, and he's a television superstar on the MLB Network, the Yes Network. He's got so many titles these days. The great Buck Show author joins us. Buck, it's John Zestremski. How are you, my friend?
2: John, how you doing today? Got a Buck,
1: lot of... I, I'm doing all right, and I'll tell you this, and I know you know it well, as a guy who's been in a big league dugout for a long period of time. You know there are plenty of times I'd love to be you guys. Last night was not one of those times when Kevin Cash is yanking Blake style out of that game. So I, I guess I have that going for me, Buck.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, unforgiving sometimes. It uh, you're trying to please a lot of people, but you're trying to win the game more than anything, and uh I tell you what, John, I don't think I've ever had other than maybe the 94 strike. You know, I I did the game over in Arlington. I live in Dallas and I drive back and my wife tapes the game. So I kind of watch it on tape and I was uh, an inning behind the live feed. And all of a sudden my phone started buzzing around and I was, you know, I turned the ringer off and I said, what in the world must've happened? I don't know if I've ever seen a reaction from my peers and people, you know, just weighing in on it and a lot of frustration and, uh, you know, Kevin's a good manager, and there's a reason why he's got a contract through 2024 or 25. I mean, I think I think he believes in a lot of that stuff, and there's, you know, there's what 14, 15 other teams that would trade place with him to be American League champions today when we woke up. So, you know, I understand some of the thinking, I really do, but uh, it's a little unconventional, to say the least.
1: No doubt, Buck. And listen, you're spot on when it comes to Kevin Cash. He did a brilliant job all year. And I get the argument, right, that this is the way Tampa won a ton throughout the regular season. You know, I, I get that. The stable arms, guys throwing 98, 99 miles an hour. But, like, with the analytics, Buck, and listen, I'm all for looking at the data, understanding the data. I know what a resource it can be to you, to Aaron Boone, to Kevin Cash, to any of these big league managers. But I think the frustration for somebody like me and for a whole lot of fans out there, and I'm curious to get your take on this, is that delicate balance, right, between the numbers and and what the data is telling you and what your eyes are telling you. Is is that a change book that in baseball, you know, you've been around as long as you've been around, does that bother you seeing the way the game has evolved? I don't know about bother. I just you know,
2: data is from things that have happened in the past. You know, it was very obvious the last three games that Tampa's bullpen was leaking oil. You know, they weren't pitching like they were. You look at the innings for starting. You know, they haven't even played half of a regular 162 game season. But because of how their guys had to be used to get to the World Series, if you look at their you know how they were pitching in the World Series, so that's where you say, okay, that data is what they did. In the last two months, but right now they're not doing too good. So, you know, you got to kind of live in the moment there sometimes. And, you know, the the best organizations are ones that embrace all ways to to make better decisions. And uh, whether it's analytically, whether it's boots on the ground, I like to call it, whether it's people that have a feel for it, you know, you need to make everybody in your organization feel comfortable to bring what they bring and not make someone feel uh, muffled, so to speak. I mean, let's face it, the Tampa would love to have five starters. They run out there. They don't have them. That's why they have to use an opener. You know, they had to go get Charlie Morton because they only had two. And I heard something interesting from our MLB uh, researcher today. They were weighing in, and they said, you know, the mistake made was he sh- should have started Snell in the third inning instead of the first inning. And I was like, well, what happens in the first two innings? And do you think Tampa would have won that game one nothing? I-, I doubt it, but. Wouldn't we have liked to got the opportunity to know I, I tell you what the feeling I got from a lot of people today and last night is they were just mad. Upset because they had this they love baseball and they had a chance to you know, as a manager you want the players to decide the game. It's like umpiring a referee. You don't you want to walk off the court or walk off the field and, and have the players decide the game. And that's what was frustrating last night because everybody wanted to, let's face it, everybody wanted to see a game seven and it looked like there might be a chance and uh you know that's kind of how they've been using Snell all year. Now, if there's some physical issues there, the numbers say after X numbers around. Well, maybe this is an exception. And managing and coaching and, and sometimes is about foreseeing the unexpected and seeing that there's a chance that might happen instead of what everybody's uh, looking at data from history. Now we're we're dealing with right now tonight today.
1: Buck, if you were managing Tampa Bay, right, and, and you made a decision like this, and you know a guy like Blake Snell, as competitive as he is, you could yeah, see what, it in his facial reactions. Go. Do you have to have a conversation with him after the game and be like, you know, try to get him where he needs to be? Because obviously emotion is going to be running high.
2: No, no, I, I think you let him have that that, that space. And what is he going to say, John? He, of course he's going to say those things. He expected to. It's not the first time that's happened to him this season or in the past. You know, I, I think there's... They have a lot of concern. You know, understand that when you don't have a lot of starters getting wins, you don't have a pure closer. And you don't, and you're platooning at five or six positions. You know you're not going to have to pay a lot of salaries because you're not a whole lot of W's, not a whole lot of saves, not a whole lot of numbers you can accumulate when uh, when you're platooning. So you know they're they're trying to hold on to him and keep him healthy uh, as long as possible. So that you know because they, they've got him at a very affordable price, and you know, when he gets to the point where they have to put too much of their payroll into him, then he'll go somewhere else like he has, like they have. But they know who they are, and they know who they're not. And I'm not sitting here trying to support them. but you've got to see both sides of the issue. It's just, you know, it was unfortunate because our curiosity didn't get satisfied last night with, with Schnell. Boy, he looked good. And let's face it, 27 of the 51 outs recorded last night were strikeouts. 27 of the 51. I'm a little more concerned about our game in general about the uh, – the human factor a little bit. Yeah, that's a problem,
1: Buck. I totally agree. Listen, I wanted a game seven. And to me, there's nothing more exciting, right, than like a guy going first to third. Or even in game five when we had that straight steal at home. I know it was crazy. I know it was off the beaten path. But, you know, that's fun, Buck. That's exciting. That's going to bring people to our game. I'm glad you brought that up. The amount of strikeouts we have in baseball, you believe it's a problem. I'm with you there, a thousand percent. Well, I just think that, you know, it's not the players'
2: fault. They're embracing what they're being asked to embrace. They're not hitting the ball away from the ship. They're trying to hit it over the ship. And that's the story from the other day. Believe me, our commissioner knows that he's got some challenges. And, you know, he's trying to figure out a way to to uh, keep our game going forward. And it, it's tough because you got to satisfy a lot of different entities in order to do it. I mean, let's face it, the... Uh, Name me four managers that you can't wait till they come out of the dugout to to argue anymore. There's not that because they've taken that away with the replay. And you know, know, thank goodness we have it in a lot of cases. But you know, I just don't want a bunch of robotic, you know, strikeout, walk, uh, home run. It's still about uh, uh, that. That's that's frustrating for for a lot of guys that love the game.
1: The great Buck Showalter, Yes Network, MLB Network, he joins us here on The Fan. Buck, uh, I'm wondering if you feel the same way that I do. The Dodgers, I applaud their persistence. They've been uh, a quality team in the playoffs every single year going all the way back to 2013. Was Mookie Betts basically the missing piece? Was he the, uh, the Reggie Jackson of that group, you know, bringing him in? Get him from the Boston Red Sox because, man, I mean, from his defense to his base running to, you know, the big hits he had throughout this postseason, to me, that Dodger team needed somebody to kind of push him over the top. To me, that guy was Betts.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, I I think I I love Mookie. I'm on record saying he's the best right fielder I've ever seen right there with with Ichiro. But uh, I just, you know... I try not to put too much emphasis. You know, I think front offices are going to make a lot of mistakes this year if they put too much emphasis on this year evaluating players. You know, because you played a sixty-game season. You know, what, what would the Dodgers have done if they played one hundred sixty-two? You know, counting spring training and playoffs, it's two hundred games. You know, you don't have that that spring training lag the next year physically. It's, it's a challenge. You also you got to be careful. I think Mookie was that that guy that gave them that extra little. You know, he's a baseball player who's very talented. You can tell he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's got that, that youthful exuberance and love for the game. You know, It's funny, I ran into his grandfather in front of the hotel after one of the uh, shows we did, and, man, there's no doubt. <laughs> it's just outstanding uh, talking to him for half an hour. I couldn't stop talking to him. But they had, uh, you know, they got Mookie and they got Kershaw. They got, what, over $60 million invested in two players. But after that, you know, there's a lot of pieces there that they put together. Their evaluation of of the things that they were missing. You know, if you look at some of the background, I love looking at bios on some of their players and how they got them. Whether it's a Muncie, and you know, there's about there's about seven or eight of them. You go, you know, they're out there, and the ability to evaluate and get those missing pieces are as important as Mookie is because that's what's great about baseball. I can't make him hit with the bases loaded. You know, it's your turn in the order. He could be the seventh hitter when you really would like to see him up there. So everybody's got to make a contribution uh, of those twenty what, 28 players now.
1: Buck, I want to equate what the Dodgers have done over the last couple of years and finally getting over the hump to what this Yankee team is trying to do. You were around the Yankees a ton throughout the season. Uh, they make the postseason. They beat Cleveland. They fall short against Tampa. And they've had a couple of brutal playoff losses the last few years. The Chapman game and back-to-back years with Altuve and Brousseau, uh, losing to the Red Sox, losing in a Game 7. Um, if you're in that front office, you're Brian Cashman and all those great front office people that the Yankees have, the almost look at the Dodgers is like a sense of inspiration, saying, look, they were knocking at the door. They kept getting off the mat. They got back the following year. And does that kind of, like, talk you out of making, like, wholesale changes to a team that's been pretty damn good over the last couple of years? Well, John, that's a
2: good point. And that's some of the questions that Brian and his guys are asking themselves. And, you know, sometimes, once again, in a 60-game season, you can make some rash decisions that, that you are going to regret. I said uh, on a show earlier this year, sometimes the best decisions you make during the trade deadline is not to do something and look back on it and, and say, wow, I'm glad we didn't do this. I'm glad we didn't do that. I love their young pitching. I really do. You know, if you look at the the, the pitching staffs, the teams that usually have some of their own homegrown talent and you have to just wait on that maturation that they're going to have to get there, they've got some good young pitchers coming. And I love their their makeup of their club. When you look at LeMay, you look at Urshela, you look at the, you know, they've got a lot of guys that play the game right and compete. And, John, just keep in mind, there's such a fine line between them uh, even being in the World Series and maybe even beating the Dodgers. You don't know. It's just such a fine line. You, you you grind like heck to roll the dice in October, and it's very frustrating when it doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, they've, they've done a great job of giving themselves opportunities in the postseason and are expected to again.
1: Buck, if there's one particular thing that you see that the Yankees can improve upon so that in the postseason – you know, they get over that hump. Whether it's you know, an lefty bat, maybe it's more contact guys. Another starting pitcher. If there's one particular weakness you would address, what would it be, John? I, you know, I really, I, I've got.
2: Per, you know, we all have personal things looking at it. Or well, what would you do? Yeah, you can rattle it right off. You, you can, but you're seeing it from a distance. And I, I'm not going to insert myself and in, this is what they should do and shouldn't do. You know, I know I have personal feelings about some things, but. They're so close. You know, I think their what-ifs weren't quite as good this year as they've been in the past. They might have been if you played another 100 games, which they would have played. Um, you know, their their farm system is is fertile and growing. They're going to have good young players coming. And uh, I just – I know personally from a distance what I think might be some good additions or subtractions, but I they don't. You know, they've got it. You know they got it wired, and they're going to be fine. They'll make, you know, they they'll continue to be competitive.
1: Um, do you see any similarities between what Lemayu has brought the Yankees the last few years and what Paul O'Neill brought your team yeah, back in 1993? Like, I mean, I think about O'Neill, yeah. that trade buck was as good as it gets, and uh, I'm going to admit he's my favorite Yankee all the time. So I, yeah. I I love the passion that Paulie brought to the field, but I see it with Lemayu. Buck, I'm going to be devastated if this guy's not back on the Yankees next year. Full disclosure, yeah. I will be devastated.
2: You know, he fits who they want to be. You know, when you get a player who fits who you want to be. You know, I, I, every stop I've been, all right, who are we? Who we want to be? How are we going to do it? Let's don't confuse the fans. How are you going to do it in New York is different than how you're going to do it in Baltimore. You just got to be consistent and not spend a lot of time talking about it, but just show somebody. And uh, you know, he fits it. Everybody there knows it. They love the guy. He's. He's a baseball player, and I can't give a better and he goes, "Hey, I need you to play first night fine, I need you to play left night fine? Hey, can you play shortstop eh, I haven't done in a while, but if you need me to, I will tonight It's kind of like what does the team need he's He's always seems to deliver, hey, we need a three run homer there it is hey, we need a hit behind the runner there it is this guy this guy understands the game, and uh his words will carry a lot of weight in that clubhouse and you know that's a great call with Paul because you know we traded at the time somebody was considered you know really a good player in roberto kelly and, and a lot of people didn't know we were getting an o'neal but uh gene michael certainly did
1: was there a moment for you with o'neal where it like clicked oh, yeah. wow we really like did it happen right yeah. away buck was it like a month no. that you in? when did that moment happen for
2: you you know what's funny was paul was a 196 hitter against left-hand pitching when we traded for him and stick and i you know, trying to impress upon Paul. And Stick and I talk about how important it was in New York, especially getting traded for Roberto Kelly, that he get off to a good start. So I don't know if you remember, we platooned him early on so he could get going and the fans in that Paul Boy, I don't even know if he's forgiven me to this day. And I said, Paul, every time there's a left-hander out there and you're still in the game, just look at my face out there and try to hit it right off his nose. And he did. And, you know, once he got established and started taking on all left-handers, you know, the rest is history, but... It was important to us to get him off to a good start there in New York, which you know he took it and ran with it.
1: Buck, there are a whole lot of Mets fans listening to this show hoping that you know new ownership means they're going to be spending a whole lot of money. So There are three big free agents out there. Riamuto behind the plate, Bauer on the mound, Springer, who is a stud and gets big hit after big hit, uh, formerly now of the Houston Astros. You could have one of those guys like in an imaginary Buck show all at the world. Forget about the Mets for a minute. Bauer, Riamudo, Springer. Who's Buck Showalter picking for his team?
2: Boy, those are three good players. I'm always going to lean on the pitching part of it. You can never have enough. I mean, the separator is always the depth of that because it's so fragile. You know, the good Lord didn't intend you to put your arm over your head and jerk it down violently every fifth day. You're going to have setbacks. Um, But all three of those guys are big contributors in positions that you have to be real good at. So you're good on all three of those fronts.
1: But final one, I appreciate the time. Listen, you're a rock star on TV. Yes, Network, well, MLB that? Network. I love having you on from time to time. It's always a ton of fun. Uh, off season rolls around, and there is a managerial vacancy that's out there. And I know you're probably sick and tired of getting this question, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you. Would you be no, interested in getting back managing in 2021?
2: John. No, John, Listen, I
1: get paid the small bucks, Buck. I got to ask those <laughs> questions, brother.
2: First of all, you know, I know one of my pet peeves is people are talking about jobs that people currently have. You know, it it can be a very uh, you know you you do whatever job you have as good as you can do it and see where it might lead you. Not all never be working on your next job. I hope nobody gets fired. and I hope people that are deserving have taken a good path to get the opportunity. You know, someone took a chance on me a long time ago. We'll see. Baseball's been great to me. You know, I feel great. Um, I love the game. I hope it continue to get an opportunity to contribute to it because it's in some small way pay it back. And we'll see you know what the game has in store for me. and uh, um, I hope nobody gets fired. I'll leave it at that.
1: Buck, you're the best. And how many touchdowns for my man Tua on Sunday? Two, three, Dolphin no, I'm win. Not. I'm all fired up, Buck. I wish he was
2: coming to the rescue a little bit more of a guy that was struggling, and he's not. There's not a great – it's kind of like when you take Snell out, the most important batter of the game becomes a first guy – Anytime you take a starting pitcher out that's had success, that first hitter is real important because it keeps the karma going in your favor. I don't care if it's a wild pitch or a ground ball down the third baseline. It just changes the whole karma of the game. So his first series, I hope it's clean. Let's put it that way.
1: Amen to that. Buck, continued success, man. Love watching you. Uh, Enjoy the wintertime, and we'll be doing this again before you know it, all right? I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me. I'll take care. My pleasure. That's the great Buck show, Walter. One of my favorite spots. I mean, as bright a baseball mind as you're going to find. Tough calls for Tampa Bay. But, yeah, the strikeouts, the walks, the lack of action in baseball, make no mistake, it's a problem. 721 here on this Wednesday evening. It's J.J. John J. We're right here on the fan. We've got a lot more to do, so get aboard at 877 337 We'll come right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.